a CTV original podcast produced by Bell Media Studios. This podcast contains adult themes and violence. Listener discretion is advised. They said to me, don't move, don't talk to anyone, stay right where you are. Julie Mulligan's kidnappers are losing control. Their leader has just been arrested, and now police are hunting them down. And then Oyo ran in to this little kitchen that was part of the house, and he came out with the machine gun. With the ransom deal a bust, Julie has one chance to make it out alive. I had really thought this is the end of it. I'm Marcy Ian, and this is Taken Abroad, Episode 5, The Rescue of Julie Mulligan. Anthony and Oyo told me to get on my clothes. So they had given me my um, black blazer and my black pair of capri pants. And I put those on. And he said, we're taking you to your people. I didn't even know who my people were. I didn't know where I would be taken from. Kaduna is such a huge city, 7 million people. I had no idea. Julie steps out of her prison careful to follow her kidnappers' every word. So we started walking. They led me across the street, which was just a dirt road. I stood underneath this light in an alcove in a cement building, and they ran away. They left you there? They left me there, and I thought, this is probably when I'm getting shot. Julie remembers her heart pounding as she strains to see her captors through the dark. Finally, they came back. Anthony said, put this on your head, and it was a scarf. It was um, really light, like white, with some tan kind of design through it. So I wrapped it around my head, and we started walking down the dirt roads. There's people walking around everywhere. So I kept my head down and was trying so hard just to kind of blend in, even though my white legs definitely showed. And we had walked for a while, and they would run away into the fields. And I could see their lights on their um, cell phones. I could see them kind of bouncing around in the field. They came back. Oyo said to me, Auntie, don't follow. And they left. It was as scary as when I had been taken. And I stood alongside the road. I just stood there, stood there, stood there, stood there for a long time. Then pretty soon I felt this tap on my shoulder and it was a woman police and she was dressed in black. She said, I'm the police. And I pushed her away so hard because I had heard how corrupt the police were. And I just pushed her away. But then I could see in the distance, there was a traditional leader coming along with another police, and they were walking towards me. Julie's found in a small village called Gonangora, just 13 kilometers from where she was taken. We were at a really small, small little police station, 15 feet by 15 feet. And the whole place filled up with people from the village. And they all just stared at me. And I said, does anyone have a cell phone I can use? 
And they all popped up with a cell phone. So I used one cell phone, and I phoned John. And I said, I'm safe. What did he say? He started crying. She was safe. We were just ecstatic. I mean, the house blew up. What did you say to each other? I think we just said how lucky we were to have each other and to be thankful. And, and I told her about what went on. Julie listens as John reveals the shocking details of her rescue. That woman who kept calling the house, asking to speak to Julie, she was actually a Nigerian Secret Service agent. The kidnappers thought she was a nun. So what took place is they agreed on a place where the ransom was going to be dropped. They had a van, and the van had a flat tire, and the engine bonnet open, and it was full of police. So this lady pulled up to the circle like they agreed, and she stopped her car. A short time after, a man came through the woods, came alongside the car, knocked on the window, and she rolled down the window, and he said, where's the money? And she said, it's in the trunk. And he says, get out and open the trunk. As she was getting out of the trunk, she took her hands and she swiped her hair, which lightened the people at the van. And she went to the back, and then the policemen all jumped out of the van and caught the kidnapper, the leader. They arrest the boss, Christian, but an unknown accomplice speeds away. They didn't realize that there was a driver in the car. Car driver sped away and uh, phoned the house and said, it didn't happen. Get out of the house now. That call creates chaos in the house and sends Julie on her road to rescue. So I was taken to one police station, kind of paraded around. I was taken to another police station and then um, they had me go sit outside in the truck And we had this big convoy built, eight trucks, four behind, four in front of us. Canadian authorities are rushing to locate Julie, but it's a challenge. She's being constantly moved by Nigerian authorities. We wound up at the state police in Kaduna. We went in and everyone who was important in the country, definitely in the state, was there. All men. And they questioned me and you write down exactly what happened. So I would start writing, I would have a mistake. They'd rip the paper away, I had to start over again. And then they told me that they were going to take me back to the house that I'd came from. And I was just like, I, I can't. Julie tells me she's exhausted. She can't handle being taken anywhere anymore. And I was standing there pleading my case. And in through the side door, the door barges open. Three men come in. They walk in. They look at me. They say, we're here from the Canadian government. We're here to take you home. Honestly, that is probably the best moment in my lifetime. This is also the moment John Mulligan has been waiting for. Brad said, we have contact. And you felt? 
it was different than when Brad said it. I knew for sure. And then the place went into a party. It was party time. Who told you that your mom was safe? John called, and he was crying. And at first I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) why is he crying again? He told me that she'd been released and she was going to be coming home and that we were going to have a big party at the house. It's not long before news gets out. I have confirmation that she's safe and she's okay, and we're thrilled. A family friend confirms her rescue to CTV Edmonton. Back in Kaduna, Julie's safe, but still not free. Nigerian police didn't want to release me. They didn't think that I would come back. The political consular, he made a phone call to the Canadian ambassador to To Nigeria. Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And she got on the phone to the Nigerian police and told them that I would definitely come back the next morning, but they had to release me to the Canadian police. They finally let me go, and we went to the British embassy. So, Julie, you're now at the embassy in this room, Mm -hmm. this opulent room, and you're feeling how? Well, I'm still in shock, to be honest. And the butler came, and he said, is there anything I can get you, ma'am? And I said, yes, I would love a glass of wine. And I called John again from there. And by this time, the house was full of people. Was it good to hear those voices? It was great to hear those voices. Really, really great. My mom, I was so happy to know that she was safe. It was great. It was like, drink that one, like, you know, get another glass, get another bottle, like, you deserve it. Remember Dad saying, okay, where do I have to go? Where do I have to meet you? Like... Where are you? And uh, I remember just the emotion. There was a lot of excitement. It was surreal, actually, that I had only hours before I was still being held in a small, tiny little house. And now I was safe and I was sleeping in the British Embassy. Eleven years ago, I was one of the first journalists to speak to John. My Canada AM producers tracked him down in the wee hours just after that house party celebration. It's a memory that has stayed with me ever since. She was okay. Julie's husband, John Mulligan, joins us this morning from Drayton Valley. Uh, John, it's so good to talk to you. Good morning. Good morning, Marcy. How are you this morning? I'm very well, and I would think you're especially well. Well, Marcy, it's, I've been waiting for this day for... 14 days, and it's wonderful that uh, we've got a great result uh, to look forward to having Julie coming home. And I understand that you had a bit of a party at your house when you got the good news? (laughs) Well, as uh, I have to tell you, we uh, talked to Julie when all those people were there, and she was on speakerphone, and everybody was shouting and laughing and everything, and her comment was, don't have too big a party because I want to party when I come home. Before Julie can go home, she must do something that, to this day, remains one of the most difficult moments of her life. Julie is taken back to the state police department to come face to face with her abductors. I was sitting behind the two-way glass, or the two-way mirror. The whole lineup walked right past me. Right beside me, they walked to go out to stand in this courtyard. And they were all standing with boxer shorts on and that was it. And I saw Christian there and it broke my heart. 
broke my heart because he did not hurt me. He could have done so much more to me, damage-wise. And I had to say that definitely I recognized him and who he was. She identifies 25-year-old Christian Aguizar. Julie is then asked to look at a second lineup. She tells me she's anxious to see the faces of her other captors. There was a man and a woman in that lineup that they wanted me to identify, and I said, I didn't know them. They said, oh, yes, you do. They were the owners of the house. Did you ever see them? Other than that? Other no. than that, no. no. Oyo, Anthony, and Anne are absent from the lineup. Police now tell Julie she's free to go home. There was a mob outside the police station of reporters. There was just kind of being pushed through the mob back into the car. So we were in an armored car all the way to Abuja. Did you realize how big a story you'd become? I still didn't realize. At that moment? Still didn't realize. I'm almost embarrassed to say that I still didn't get it. Julie Mulligan was on a rotary exchange trip to Nigeria when she was abducted at gunpoint. For close to two weeks, she was held hostage while her captors demanded money. The 45-year-old was released yesterday unharmed. As news of her rescue reaches across the globe, Julie begins her long journey home. When we got to Abuja, the High Commissioner to Nigeria from Canada had her doctor, her private doctor, come to the hotel and he gave me an examination to make sure that I didn't have malaria, that there was nothing that was keeping me from being able to fly home. Mm -hmm. And we left shortly after that. We flew from Abuja to Amsterdam and from Amsterdam to Edmonton. Steph, tell me about the airport. They put us in this like conference room and there was a bunch of us. I thought it was weird because why wouldn't we just be you know, like in the movies, like waiting for the doors to the baggage claim to open, you know? The anticipation was super, super high. And we saw the plane land. I saw her coming. I knew I had her back. As I walked through the airport, out pops from behind this pillar, John. And what was that like? It was really great. It was really, really great. And it's like, aha, now it's kind of all becoming real. And then I walked further into this, this small room and it was filled with all of our friends and family. So that was so much love, too. so much love. She walked in and I remember being like stunned at what she looked like. I just expected her to have like twigs in her hair and ripped up clothes. Like I thought she would look like a victim. And then instead there's my mom, the survivor, you know. On the surface, Julie looks unscathed after being captive for 14 days. But Steph tells me it doesn't take long to see something isn't right with her mom. I remember we were standing in the kitchen 
And I went to like grab her hand and she kind of pulled it away. And I was like hurt. I was super, super hurt. Like I knew that I wasn't gonna get what I needed from her that night. And I knew that she wasn't able, she didn't have the capacity to give it to me. Just four days after returning home, Julie addresses the media for the first time. Psychological recovery that you're dealing with now? I mean, do you just feel back to normal now that you're at home or are you sleeping okay? Uh, no, no, and no. And I'm, I'm not there yet, so I'm definitely not there. What was it like, Julie, um, having those conversations with John um, while you were there, while you were in captivity and, and maybe thinking to yourself, you might... Sorry? In the months to come, life doesn't go back to normal, but it does go on. Julie tells me she takes up CrossFit, becomes a yoga teacher, and just two years after being taken abroad, she builds up the strength to do what she loves the most. Julie jumps back on a plane and gets back to work, making our world a better place. John and I, we raised money for a school in, to build a high school in the Solo Kumba region in Nepal. We hiked to the base camp. That was really great, a really great experience. And the other experience, I went to India to immunize for polio. And I was part of a polio immunization day, which actually is three days. Wow. Here's the thing, Julie, as I listen to you, nobody would have blamed you if you came back and you curled up in a little ball and stayed that way and shut your door and said, listen, I'm never leaving again. I don't want to deal with anybody. I just want to cater to me and what I need right now. But it seems to me what's happened to you is that your heart has gotten bigger. Yeah. How does that work? Helen Keller said the quote is, like, I was always searching outside myself for strength, mm -hmm. but it was there inside me all along. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have so much more inside of us than we ever imagine, but we don't pull it out until we need it, which is too bad, in a, in a sense. Like, it's too bad that we don't understand that we've got it all along. So you're sitting here and you're safe. Mm -hmm. And this is very much a happy ending. But even happy endings have loose ends. So wanting to know if there's anything with regards to your own story, because this is very much your story, mm -hmm. is there anything that you don't have that you still want? I have always wondered what has happened to the people who were involved with my case, the ones who were arrested, whether they're still in jail, and um, maybe ones that have since been arrested since I was there. I've tried to get that information from the Nigerian government. I would love to find that out. Would that mean closure for you? It would mean closure, but in a weird kind of way, I worry about them. Next, on the final episode of Taken Abroad, I go on the hunt for what has happened to Julie's kidnappers, and I reunite with Julie to reveal what has been uncovered.
Taken Abroad is written and produced by Charlie Smith. Sound production by Elizabeth Kay. Kelly Peckham is our field director. Visual researchers are Elise Forster and Blake Glassbergen. Original theme music by Nick Fowler. And the executive producer is Kelly McEwen.